This is not the message. I always start with a proverb of the day. So today's the 21st. I picked a verse out of chapter 21, and I picked 23. Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. Wow. <laughs> that means you should kind of keep your mouth closed. So this is it. I'm just going to do that for a little while. I wasn't in trouble for two seconds. It's really good. It's really awesome to have you here on Easter and to acknowledge that Jesus true power over death. And uh, I want you to know that none of you are here by accident. You're not here because somebody asked you. You're not here because of um, just uh, you decided to go to church on Easter. I really believe that every single person who was here was drawn by God's spirit. And God loves you so much that he wants to speak something of life to you. And he's going to be doing that. Without respect to what I say, the Holy Spirit will be talking to you today. And so uh, I'm just grateful that, th- that that's happened. Today, today I want to talk to you about one of the most culturally believed lies that circulates and to see what God says on the topic. Because a lot of people wrongly believe this. You may have heard it. You may have said it. You, you might even actually believe this. And because a lot of pe- people do, people all over the world say this. You hear this all the time. It really doesn't matter what you believe about God as long as you're sincere. I hear that all the time. As long as you're sincere. And, and that kind of sounds good. It's kind of a feel-good theology because it makes everything sound, God is so big and so loving um, it doesn't matter what you believe, as long as you sincerely believe, and as long as you're really, really sincere, you're going to be okay. It's kind of a feel-good theology, right? It makes you feel good because it justifies whatever we believe, we're good to go. And we see this, I, I see this kind of theology that shows up, you know, people talking to each other, hey, you're a good guy, and <laughs> God bless, and... and um, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're better than most people, so you'll be fine. Just let that work out. Or, or here's where you hear it um, a lot of times at funerals, okay? I go to a lot of funerals. You probably go to less than I do, but um, I mean, I go to a lot, and I hear this a lot. Oh, he wasn't a religious person, but he's in a better place now. And, um, or um, he's in a better place. I hear this looking down on us. Oh, you know, Grandma, she's looking down on us. I got to say, there are at least three or four at five times a day every day. I don't want grandma looking down on me. <laughs> I mean, what's Terry doing down there? Oh, I wish I wasn't looking down on him just now. I mean, that's just not, I, I think still so many people believe this. They're, look, they're looking down and, oh, they're in a better place. And it doesn't matter what you believe. All roads lead to God anyway. And All religions get you to the same place. There's lots of ways up the hill, up the mountain. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. And um, also, in our culture today, basic spirituality is not controversial. You know, it's not controversial to believe in God. You watch any sporting event, and at the end, when they crown somebody a champion, you'll hear somebody get up there and thank God because God was on our side, not the other team's side, but on our side. You know, you'll hear that, but it's okay. Somehow people say, yeah, it's fine to thank God. Or you, you, you can watch the Grammys or the American Music Awards. And somebody will get up there and they'll say, yeah, thank God. You know, and it's fine. It's perfectly fine. Um, it goes over just fine. You, you can watch daytime talk TV shows and people will mention spirituality. And it's fine. It's good to talk about higher controversy. No controversy at all higher power. But when does it become controversial? The controversy immediately goes from just cool and calm to the red line, if you, so to speak, 
when you hear the name Jesus get mentioned. Mention Jesus, you, you know, it's okay to talk about God, it's okay to talk about a higher power, it's okay to talk about spirituality, and nobody wigs out, but when you say the name Jesus, that's when things kind of start to get a little bit um, crazy. And what's so odd about that, even to the point of being intriguing, is, 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 is a couple of things. Almost nobody debates the existence of Jesus. There's, there's really no debate about that. Um, even his detractors admit he was a true historical person. There's not any question about that. Nobody says, oh, there was never any actual Jesus. That, that's not an argument. They, they, even his detractors acknowledge that he was real. And people love his teaching. They do. I, I don't know who doesn't like his teaching. Help the poor, uh, love other people, be generous, forgive people who hurt you. His teaching is phenomenal. People like that. It's, it's great teaching. So even if you hate Christianity... People pretty much acknowledge he was real and they like his teaching. Pretty hard to hate his teaching. So his detractors don't debate his existence and it's really hard to question the power and the beauty of his teaching. So why does everybody get so upset? What's the deal? It's because of the exclusive claims of Jesus that kind of tip things over. The exclusive James, uh, these exclusive claims of Jesus just kind of get people all rattled and, and bent out of shape. And it's real direct in Scripture, and we find it in, in uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 14. And he's, he's talking with his disciples, and his disciples know that something's up. He's going to be leaving, and one of the disciples, basically, I'm paraphrasing, he says, hey, how are we going to know where we're supposed to go? And here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There it is. Bang. Right out there, this declaration that sets Jesus apart from every other world religion. His exclusive claim that he is the only way to heaven, the only way to the Father. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that sets Christianity apart in this huge, massive way. So I want to just take a minute and just kind of contrast that very openly to other world religions. No matter what you believe, um, and, and I'm going to say that we should acknowledge right up front, no matter what we believe, that um, there is some, some truth and there are some beautiful things in other world religions, so, you know, in, in many different world religions, some truth and some beauty in them. And, uh, but we're going to find out as we just compare just the basics, they're not the same. They don't claim to be the same. Although there's truth and beauty in, in many of them, they're just, they're just not the same. Okay, so here's a 30,000-foot flyover. Buddhism, for, for example, um, teaches that there, that there is no God, that there is no final type of existence. A Buddhist just believes in countless rebirths. You're reborn, and then you live, and then when you die, you're reborn again, and it goes on and on. It just cycles on and on. That's what a Buddhist believes. Hinduism is uh, pretty different. It has this impersonal God um, approach through a, a countless number of deities and idols and uh, statues. Buddhism and Hinduism do not offer the forgiveness of sin. They don't offer any sort of intervention and, and supernatural help from God. They just say that if you do bad things, bad things will happen to you. It's called, they call it karma, right? If you do good things, then you'll experience good things. Karma, that's what they both teach. Now, if you consider what, the, what a Muslim a person believes, they worship Allah, um, a, a, who they consider to be a, a personal God. There are no secondary gods, no idols. And your standing with Allah, if you're a Muslim, depends completely upon your, your religious um, devotion, your works, 
You do certain things and you get in good, good, good standing with Allah. Although Allah can change his mind. So there's a, that's, that's different. Then there's a lot of people in our country um, who we would maybe put in the category of new age. Um, they, they, um, they have no, there's no personal God because they believe, they believe in a higher consciousness, but that we're all one with the cosmos. We're somehow all one with the universe. And then you get Christianity, which has this very personal God. Um, and he, this personal God is exposed to us through the love of his son, Jesus Christ. And he offers the forgiveness of sin, but it's not based upon religious efforts. It's based upon God's goodness. Now, just that 30,000-foot flyover, it, um, um, intellectual integrity requires us to acknowledge that although there may be some truth and beauty in all of these different religions, they are not the same. They're just completely divergent. When somebody says, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere, an objective person looking at the facts in all these different belief systems will conclude a couple of things. That concept is our concept, not God's. That's not written in the scriptures of any, of any, of any major faith system that doesn't matter what you believe um, as long as you're sincere. And then secondly, this. Sincerity does not make something that's untrue true. You can sincerely believe that the sky is green and that's not going to make it green. Sincerity does not make something that's untrue true. So what I want to do today, and, and um, I'm just going to say full disclosure here, because I'm a follower of Jesus, right? You would expect that. So f f um, small, small print here, don't be surprised when, uh, where, where I go with this because I'm a follower of Jesus. So if you want to just say right up, well, Terry, you're kind of biased to say, yep, that's true, okay? Um, but what I want to ask of you today, no matter what you believe, I just want to simply, for a few minutes, ask you to just simply consider Jesus. Just simply consider Jesus. And please hear me. I'm not asking you to consider our church. Okay? I'm not asking that at all. I'm not asking you to consider a Christian denomination. I'm not asking you to consider even the concept of Christianity. Uh, because Jesus didn't come to start a religion. You get that, right? I mean, he didn't come. He, 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 Jesus actually came to reveal the love of God to people who needed a savior, okay? So I'm not going to ask you even to consider Christianity. And I'm certainly not asking you to consider the behavior of people who call themselves Christians, right? Because it's 50-50 it's, it's what you'll encounter out there in the world. You might encounter someone that is absolutely a perfect example of being a good Christian in your mind because they're loving, they're full of grace, they're thoughtful, they're kind, they, um, you know, they're, they're genuine, they're, they're all of these things. And if you look at that person, you go, well, if that's a representative of Christianity, okay, it sounds pretty good. But you could just as easily run into a person that's um, narrow-minded, bigoted, hateful, judgmental. I mean, that's a possibility too. So, and, then, and then you turn on Christian TV and you see these hairdos and you think, what, 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 what? <laughs> I'm never going to be in that faith. I mean, so <laughs> I shouldn't do that. But I don't have puffy shoulder sleeves. Anyway, so whatever. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not asking you to consider those things, but I want to ask you just to look at three considerations of Jesus today. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time. We're already hustling through this already. So um, some, some three considerations of Jesus. I'm going to ask you, number one, to consider the ministry of Jesus Christ. 
Just consider the ministry. Okay, let's look at it in Mark chapter 2. This summarizes Jesus' ministry, why he came. Verse 16, when the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, these are religious leaders of the day, okay? When they saw Jesus eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? What they're saying here is, no really righteous person would hang out with evil people like this. These people are too dirty, they're filthy, they're full of sin. Verse 17, on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've come to call, not to call, not to call the righteous, but sinners. He came for sinners. He came for people like me and you. <laughs> we just, we just can't seem, to get, seem to get it right sometimes. So think about, you know, Jesus, to, 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 to people that were despised culturally, he loved and accepted them. To people that religion rejected, he loved and he reached out to those people. An example was when this woman was, was caught in the act of adultery, all of the religious people were saying, people in my job were saying, stoner. The word says you kill somebody, let's kill her, let's, all, let's, let's, let's get her out in the middle of the field and let's just kill her by throwing rocks at her and, and she deserves death. Jesus looks at these guys who are all ready to do it and he says, okay, that's a plan. We'll do that. Whichever one of you has never committed a sin before, you throw the first rock. <laughs> what a moment. Jesus had a way of cutting through all of the, you know, hooey. Can I say hooey at church? Yeah. You, you, hooey. That's a Hebrew word, I guess. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and he cuts right straight through to it, and, he, and, 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 and nobody decides to pick up a rock and throw the Spirit of God penetrated right down to the bone there. And, 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 and these people, one by one, said, can I can't throw any rocks. So then he turns to this broken woman, and he says, you know what? Go your way and sin no more. Just go ahead. You're forgiven. What an amazing moment. Okay, so you consider the ministry of Jesus, you know, he, who he was and what he did. He, he, um, he opened blind eyes. He... he, he opened deaf ears, he caused the mute to speak, he, he touched lepers, he healed people who were untouchable, the outcast of the day, and he wasn't afraid of catching it, instead he was, he, was, he was certain that they would catch wholeness from him. He turns water into wine, might blow you away to know that he didn't turn it into grape juice, right? <laughs> These were miracles, that was the first miracle, he did that at the wedding feast, he, he did... You know, he, he took a handful of loaves and fishes and he fed so many people. It was a big miracle and the people were stunned. He raised people out of the grave repeatedly and was witnessed by so many. He did some pretty amazing things. And here's what's crazy. His critics in the day never questioned the validity of the miracles. They saw the miracles themselves. They just wanted him to stop. They didn't say, hey, you're a fake. They, it was undeniable. Those things were happening in front of their eyes. They just wanted him to stop it, Jesus. Stop fixing people. Stop doing all these things that care for the broken. <laughs> it's crazy. They actually saw these things and just wanted him to stop. That's the, the ministry. And some of you are a miracle of the ministry of Jesus already. I mean, you are. I mean, I know people who have experienced physical healings that doctors had said, this will never be fixed. And Jesus got right in there and bang, it's fixed. And I know people who, um, who have had their marriages blow up 
should have blown up and exploded because of violations of trust. And the Holy Spirit got right in there and did two things and touched two people and miraculously saved Mary's. I've just, I've seen so many things. The ministry of Jesus marches on today. And uh, things that only the miracles of Christ can accomplish. Consider the ministry and the power of Jesus. Of the one who didn't come for the righteous, but came for sinners. The one who didn't come for the healthy, but for the sick. I am personally a miracle of Jesus walking and talking in front of you. I've been a, I've been, I've been a believer and a follower for decades now. Most of you don't, didn't know me. Some of you did know me in my before Christ days, my BC days. Um, I'm a walking, talking miracle. And, um, you know, uh, as a young man, I could tell you how arrogant and whatever I was and uh, the love of my mother, um, there was some sort of a deal hatch between her and heaven. And... Um, <laughs> I just can tell you, I, I, I was miraculously changed, and I became a new creation in Christ. I, I need you to understand that I'm not a better version of the old me. That's not what happened. I became a new cre- creation, a different one, a completely different. The old is gone, and the new has come. So consider the ministry and the power of Jesus. Second thing is I want you to consider the resurrection of Jesus. You, know, you just need to know how much God loves you. He loves us so much that to overcome our sin, which Jesus hates sin, to overcome this, that's why he was, by the way, that's why he was born of a virgin. You've heard the story at Christmas. You understand he was born of a virgin because he did not inherit the sin nature of an earthly father. That's a whole different sermon. I'm not going there right now, although I want to. But he lived life without sin, and and he did that so that when the time came, he could take the responsibility as a sacrifice in my place and in yours to pay the price of that sin on the cross. Don't miss the power of this. On the cross, while creation was mocking him, after they had done their worst, they'd beaten him unrecognizable, they nailed him to that cross, and what his response was, he's hanging there in pain, and he says, he's talking to God the Father, and he says, God, they don't realize what they've done here. Forgive them. And then he says, it's finished. I did it. It's done. Into your hands I commend my spirit. He has this conversation with God. When that happened, the scripture records is that the earth went dark. The earth trembled. One of the centurions who was standing there, who was present during the torture, it wasn't just an execution, it was a torturous form of execution. One of them that was there that watched that, and the earth went dark, and the ground shook as he gave up his spirit. That centurion, who was not a follower of Christ, said, surely this was the Son of God. And three days later, when they rolled back that stone, um, that, that, that tomb, it was empty. It was empty. Jesus wasn't there. <laughs> And Christians believe today that he was raised from the dead. And Peter, here's how Peter described this in the book of Acts. He said, you killed, he's talking to the, the religious leaders of the day, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We're witnesses of this. And that's so important because there were eyewitnesses, many, 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 hundreds, hundreds of eyewitnesses to the fact that he walked around alive after that whole, whole thing. Skeptics will say, they'll come up with an explanation about the whole resurrection. They'll say, well, so the Roman soldiers stole his body. They stole it. And um, here's the thing. 
the enemies of Christ in that day would have loved to have produced the body of Christ and said, he's not risen. Look, here's the body right here. So if his detractors had actually stolen the body, they would have produced it and just squashed the whole thing right then. That didn't happen. Some skeptics will say, well, the disciples stole the body. Okay. So three uneducated fishermen were able to overpower trained and armed Roman guards. Not even. (laughs) If you know your history, these guys were charged to the death with an order like that. They would have been executed. No, I, I, I can't buy that. Um, you know, I mean, and here's another thing about this too. The disciples, as they scattered around the countryside in the years that followed, all of them but one was put to death in a torturous form. And you can read, read about how this happened. It was terrible things that, that, that happened to them. And not a single one of them recanted the whole story about the resurrection because they had seen it. They had seen it. So the tomb was empty. He wasn't dead. He was alive again. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We're witnesses of this. So just, just, just consider this. Don't consider Christians. Don't consider me because I'll let you down. <laughs> Don't consider our church. We're imperfect. It's easy, to, it's, it's easy to see that failure will happen where people are involved, right? You get that, okay? So consider Jesus. Consider his ministry that he came here for sinners. Consider the resurrection eyewitnesses willing to die instead of changing their, their story. And then finally, I ask you to consider the eternal message of Jesus, the eternal message of Jesus. I love the way the Apostle Paul summarized this in Romans 3. He says this, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Don't miss this because too many people do. Too many people miss this. We're made right with God by believing, by having faith in Jesus, by putting our faith in the Son of God. It's so, so powerful. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are by placing our faith in Jesus. No matter what you've done, no matter how dark your life is, no matter you know, if you're as bad as I was or worse, no matter how many sins you've committed, no matter how messed up your life is now, no matter if you've hated Christians and Christianity and, and you've made a mess and how angry and bitter you, no matter any of those things, all of those reasons, anyone, anyone, it says anyone, anyone, who places their faith in Jesus will be made new. It's true for everybody, no matter who they are. You see, God's plan for us is Christ plus nothing. Nothing. Not not Christ plus your good works. It's not Christ plus baptism. It's not Christ plus church membership. It's not Christ plus giving money to a church. It's Christ plus nothing. (laughs) I love saying that. And it's not only Christ plus nothing. It's not Christ. It's not not Christ after getting rid of all your stuff. It's not that. It's not about you stopping your, your bad thoughts, stopping the things that you do that you know that are wrong. It's not about stopping the thing. It's Christ plus nothing. In Christ alone, we have this hope of eternal life and we're forgiven of sins. In Christ alone, our, our, our sins are gone and our new has come. It's Christ alone. Our religion, that, that's where the problem lies. Religion. With religion, it's all about us. It's all about me. It's how I perform. It's, it's what I do. Am I good enough? 
It's how do I, did I get rid of the bad stuff? Religion's all about me. But I'm not talking about religion here. I'm talking about relationship. Because Jesus did not come to create a religion. He came to show us the love of God. Religion says, if I'm good enough, God will love me. If I obey God, then he'll accept me. That's what religion says. Relationship says, because God loves me, he accepts me. Then what happens is later, because I'm loved and accepted by God, there's something that changes. I become new. And then I want to do the things that please God. It's in my soul. It drives me. And I know, see a lot of nodding heads going, yeah, that's what happens. I, my heart is captured by the king, and I'm, I'm a different person. And it's not that I do those things in an effort to gain acceptance from God. It's my response to his eternal love for me. I can't, I don't have any other option. He loved a terrible guy. I just, I'm just changed. God doesn't love you because of what you do. He loves you because of who he is. It's a big difference. And there's nothing you can do to get God to love you more. There's nothing you can do to get God to love you less. He loves you because of who he is. You consider the eternal message of Christ. Religion is about me, but relationship is about Jesus. Religion is about if I'm good, he'll love me. It's because relationship is about because he already loves me. Um, he is good. But he, he is good. On the cross... Jesus said the words, um, basically he said, I came to do what the Father sent me to do. It's finished. It's accomplished. You might believe that you need to add something to that. But I want to tell you, it's already done. It's done. You may want to try and be better, but God says it's done. Salvation, the work is done. You may want to add good works to it, but God says it's done. Our God says it's finished, it's done. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And God says it's done. If you believe in the name of Jesus, then it's done. It's settled. And you'll become brand new. Not because you're good, but because our God is good. Let's pray. Father, when our culture says to us again and again and again, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Lord, we're smart enough to recognize that there are differences between the way, ways people can believe. So God, we ask that your spirit, I just ask God that your spirit would draw people. And while we're praying as simple as this is, I, I really believe, Lord, that all through these last few minutes, your spirit, the Holy Spirit, God, has been speaking to people's hearts, speaking to convey these truths into their souls. I love you, God says to you. I love you. Jesus is the way. There's no other way. Jesus is the way. He came by way of the cross, and the Holy Spirit is saying to people right now, so come, so come to salvation. And while we're praying, I would just ask with all eyes closed, do you want to do that right now? Do you want to come to Jesus? Do you want to come to salvation? Do you want to come to secure eternity? Will you respond to God right now? Or will instead, in this moment, will you harden your heart against eternity? I pray you won't. The Lord was, is calling people to get saved right now. While eyes are closed, I just want to agree with you in prayer, and I will just pray with anybody while you're in your seat. I'm not going to call you up, but I just would say, can I pray with you about salvation? 
if, you, if I can pray with you right now, would you just look up at me and just give me a little hand wave? Is it, and, and, uh, thank you, Lord. Thank you. God bless you. I see that hand. And I'm, keep, I'm still looking. If you want to have the Lord, if you want to know security for eternity, don't let me miss you. Let me see your hand. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for saving souls today. So, Lord, I'm going to just thank you and give you praise for the fact that you, you grabbed me out of a path that was leading away from heaven. And I'm so grateful that you loved me when I was the way I was. And I'm so grateful that you love me the way I am still today. Now, Lord, for these who have opened their heart to you, Lord, make them new, just as your word promises. Your word says, your word says, all who call on the name of Christ will be saved. And it's happened today, and we're grateful for it. So, Lord, we call your name blessed, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.